Welcome to CouncilCast, a podcast from Coalfield Development, where we highlight moments from our monthly gathering, Coalfield Council Day. It's a time for reflection, team building, and celebrating the personal and professional developments of our crew members. This is episode six, highlighting our council day on Friday, October 28th. CEO Brandon Dennison started his monthly morning address on a positive note by reflecting on the growth Coalfield Development has experienced this year, including our one-year membership with the local Carpenters Union, the ACNAL Coalition winning a USEDA Build Back Better Regional Challenge grant, and record-breaking successes among our social enterprises. While celebrating some of our victories, Brandon touched on the relevance of our workplace theme for the year, history, an acronym that stands for Healing into Sustainable Transformational Opportunities and Reclaiming Yourself. From my perspective, I can honestly goodness say I think it's the best year Coalfield Development has ever had. Does anybody remember what our theme for the year was? Healing. History. History. But we did an acronym and the H is for healing. So 2021, healing really resonated. And we wanted to, you know, we set a new theme for 2022, but we said the healing should never stop. So uh, we wanted to keep that alive. And then we've done a deep dive on Appalachian history. So earlier in the year, we went to Heritage Farm. We went to Highwall and we, and we talked a lot about healing at Highwall and how the crew is using regenerative agriculture there to heal the landscape and how the landscape and the people are healing together. Went to Matewan. We learned about labor history in West Virginia, uh, some of the history of, of coal mining and how hard people have had to fight to have what now we consider basic rights, you know, 40 hour work week, safe working conditions, minimum wage, things that did not used to exist. So we should never, ever, ever take those for granted. This was in fact our first full year as a part of the local carpenters union. Quite historic in and of itself. Had our big act now win, literally shaping Appalachian history as, a, as an organization. And then if I think through just the work that each team has been doing, it's it's mind blowing. Brandon briefly recognized each enterprise, their recent achievements and ongoing projects. Revitalized has done more square feet revitalized this year than any other year. The arts have come alive here at West Edge. We've had more people engage at West Edge, attend an event at West Edge this year than any other year. I think Refresh Appalachia has really found its stride this year, shaping a multi-state corridor, incredible production, multiple farm-to-table meals, Mountain Mindful, best year ever by far. We're gonna have a near doubling of sales from last year to this year. And congratulations on a successful bridge day. Then he turned his focus to the staff expansions in the finance, conservation, communications, and human development departments. Finance team grew this year. We have wrapped up our audit. It was a clean audit and the balance sheet of the organization is strong. Conservation more than doubled it. It used to just be Jacob. (laughs) Now it's a whole team, a whole program through deconstruction. We've deconstructed multiple events. So it's been really cool to see that come alive. And that too, similar to Refresh, the Reuse Corridor is a multi-state initiative. There's partners in multiple states, not just West Virginia. So Coalfield's impact really is growing. You know, our roots are Southern West Virginia. Our home will always be Southern West Virginia, but we are part of a broader region and we're embracing that and we're starting to see those impacts. Uh, I got some reinforcements. So Devin, Ashley uh, joined the team uh, late last year, early this year. And we actually have a newsletter every month because we have a communications person to, to, to handle that. Uh, I'm late to a lot less engagements now because uh, I have some extra support 
from Devin, and Devin jumped into the Act Now team as like day one. The human development team grew this year. Uh, we added some some capacity, some talent, some compassion, uh, and it's really it's making a big difference already. Human development makes council day happen. Human development makes personal development happen. Human development makes payroll happen. Human development makes really the heart and soul of this organization. Over the past year, Brandon said accomplishments have given new meaning to our history theme. Just a remarkable year. So I think when we set an intention of history, we wanted to reflect on our own personal histories. But uh, we also want to think about Appalachian history and and our place in it. And so as an organization, you know, it might have sounded a little bit bold at the start of the year to say we want to change Appalachian history this year. But I think that's exactly what we've done. And each of you plays a unique piece in that. Next, Brandon provided prompts to discuss in our hour of group reflections. The questions revolved around each of the themes we've explored so far this year, including healing, sustainability, and reclamation. Gina Milam, West Edge's Operational and Outreach Coordinator, said the last prompt regarding self-reclamation particularly resonated with her. You know, we are such a youth-oriented society that everybody wants to hold onto youth, you know, with both hands, and they, they resist getting older with everything that's in them. But they don't realize how freeing it can be. Gina said there's a certain confidence that comes from embracing and accepting the changes that come with aging. The true coolness, so to speak, is being who you want to be and doing the things you want to do. You start to see that transformation as you get older. I'm not here to impress anybody. I've tried that for the first 40 years of my life and it didn't do anything for me. But it's just so freeing to truly be able to reclaim your authentic, weird, crazy, bizarre self. In response to the sustainability prompt, Conservation Director Jacob Hanna noted how sustainability is deeply intertwined with Appalachia's history of resilience. So making sure that we just don't take everything and the next generation has nothing. That's sort of the textbook definition, but really sustainability is... A word you hear a lot is resiliency, Appalachian resiliency. Can you can you sort of survive on yourself without negatively impacting others? And you see that a lot with high wall. You see that a lot with coal field. You see that a lot with, you know, the energy that we have on our roof right now. So how can we fill our own needs without robbing the earth and the communities around us of their own needs as well and, and having a negative impact? And that can look like energy, but that can also look like social sustainability. It can look like financial sustainability. Grace McEwen, Operations Coordinator, and Brian Hughes, Revitalized Construction Crew member, partnered up to discuss sustainability and ways it can be practiced. Grace mentioned Brian's recent personal project that repurposed trashed furniture materials. Just trying to be more mindful of that in our own personal lives. <laughs> Seeing something that might be deemed of as like trash, kind of reclaiming that and doing something with it. Like he did a, a cabinet, he made a cabinet out of like glass doors that were going to be trash and ended up using that. Trying not to see everything as disposable, like she was saying, uh, for months uh, our old roommates had these, this uh, media center that had the two glass doors and they, I guess they had taken the glass doors out and they were sitting outside next to the garbage can for months after they had moved out and every time I walked by them I just like I didn't see garbage I was like I could do something with those like I could make something with those and eventually I ended up with some scrap plywood and some scrap two by fours and like to say I had no idea what I was doing I just kind of like had an idea and 
I turned two pieces of glass into a cabinet. And it, it all hinged on two pieces of glass. Two pieces of garbage that were just hanging around. And I thought, I could do something with those. Carrie Sias, Human Resources Coordinator, shared her response to the prompt on healing. She said working at Coalfield has been a breath of fresh air after spending much of her career working in environments that often did not treat women as equals. I have worked at several manufacturing facilities, nonprofits, that kind of thing. And being a female in that environment can be tough. Lots of times you have male supervisors that maybe don't want to do certain things and they'll pass it on to the females, like cleaning up the kitchen and things like that. Women's work. <laughs> and that stuff always bothered me a little bit because I felt like I had more to offer than cleaning the kitchen when I had another role to play. And I can say from being here at Coalfield for six months, I feel healing from that. I don't get that feeling here. I don't get the feeling that women's work, men's work, whatever, we're all here to work. And to me, that's a great feeling and it's a respect. And it means a lot to me to feel that respect when I haven't had it in so many other places I've been. So I have definitely noticed a lot of healing in how I handle my work, work relationships, things like that, because I feel like I'm in a better place. So I appreciate that. That's my healing. Courtney Wilt, financial accountant, echoed Carrie's sentiments. I came from public accounting where I was for six years and very similar to what Carrie said, like um, very male dominated, very like not respected in my position, even though I'm a CPA, there were two CPAs in the office. Like I had the knowledge and the certification to be amazing, but I'm a very happy and energetic person. And that was just not something that was respected in my profession, but it's respected here. So I get to be my true self here. And that's nice. Chris Yura, Strategic Partnerships Manager, joined us as the morning's featured speaker. Chris shared insight into the success of the Appalachian Social Enterprise Summit event Coalfield hosted in early October. The event united guest speakers and experts from various sectors for collaborative panels. Our hope is that convening uh, these types of individuals will, will attract aspiring entrepreneurs, uh, practitioners, thought leaders, and organizations that are interested in supporting social enterprise in Appalachia. Chris said the event was a reminder that entrepreneurship comes in many forms. Sometimes when you talk about entrepreneurism, you think, I think sometimes, that it has to be something new. But, but truthfully, entrepreneurism doesn't necessarily have to be a new thing. It could be buying an old business or taking over a business that was going to go out of business because somebody maybe is retiring or, you know, is moving out of the area. And sometimes, like, retaining those jobs, retaining those businesses, that is that is entrepreneurism and that is social enterprise. Casey McCann, director of Revitalize Appalachia, said the panel on community revitalization particularly received a lot of interest and engagement from the event attendees. The panelists all brought something very positive from different perspectives. You know, I was really surprised, too, that we had an overflow in our room and we had to start turning people away because there was such a large interest in it. Folks who were coming outside the state that had that much interest into it. And everybody brought something to the table, but it was really engaging. It was, it was an outstanding opportunity. I'd like to be a part of it again in the future. Elise Hunley, crew chief of Refresh Appalachia, said the Refresh crew's first co-catering gig went well. Spice of Life, the catering company Refresh collaborated with, based the menu around Refresh's available crops, 
including lettuce and eggplant. Um, so we knew about this a uh, couple months ahead of time, which in agricultural timetables is wasn't a whole lot of time for us to pivot anything we were already growing for the dinner. And so we kind of had to rely on what we already had. Spice of Life came up with the menu based on what was growing in the tunnels. We had to plant more lettuce ahead of the event to be able to provide all the salad that was there that day. And it wasn't just us either, our high wall compatriots. They were also responsible for most of the protein that evening. All in all, it's the first time that we have done that at least for West Edge Ag, um, in my experience. The first time that we have provided for a dinner. And I thought it was a great experience for everyone, myself included. I think we had a good time and it was delicious, it paid off. Following our conversation with Chris, Liam Burns, Agricultural Production Technician for Refresh, and Adam Hudson, Director of Refresh Appalachia, presented their vision for Coalfield's agricultural endeavors. In the near future, they aim to become certified as a good agricultural practices facility. The reason that it's important is obviously health and safety, number one. We are selling back to our community. People that eat our food is the people that you know we interact with on a day-to-day -day basis. And as we grow, we're now like spreading out to you know more of the region. This is going to allow us to expand our markets, which does bring more money into the region and into Coalfield. And a lot of the markets that we're uh, tapping into, schools and hospitals, they can only use food that is you know handled by GAP certified teams. That's effectively going to more than double our market access, which is huge. And that also means you know increased visibility. The more markets that we tap into, the more visibility Coalfield gets, the more visi visibility local food gets, and that's just better for everybody. After their presentation, each crew took time to announce their recent celebrations and accomplishments. Zach Durbin, crew chief at Revitalize Appalachia, said the crew has been working on restoring the Black Box Theater at West Edge Factory. We have been finishing the drywall. We've also, on the over the last couple of weeks, you haven't seen us out in the corridor because we've been inside the black box theater, but we've been fireproofing um, or making it fire rated and also helping with the acoustics. Luke Huffman, property manager at West Edge Factory, reported that the recent localization event at West Edge was a major success. Uh, we had over 500 cars here at one point around at localization. There were so many people that walked in here that just has saw it maybe just a year ago or two years ago. I mean, we actually do work in here. You know what I mean? Like it's hard sometimes because it crawls at a snail's pace, you think, but the community sees it. They appreciate it. Luke recognized Gina Milam and her continued efforts to attract local artists and coordinate art-based events at West Edge. What Gina's been doing over here is astronomical for the building, just bringing the arts in here, because this is what this was geared towards in the beginning eight years ago. That's what we promised, and it's finally come full circle. Dreama Buck, professional and academic development coordinator, said she's been building the foundation for Coalfield's internal training programs. Recently, I finished up our... 2022 through 2024 internal training schedule. There's a lot of stuff on here. Um, and starting next week, actually. So we'll have forklift and mini excavator training for all of the trainees, any crew members who have not had that certification yet. And it is also open to other folks 
in the company if you need that training. And then we're also doing asbestos, lead, and mold awareness. And for Enrichment Day, we're going to RCBI for a Maker Vault experience and 3D printing day. I'm so excited about that. It's going to be a lot of fun. Carrie Sias said the human resources team is working on streamlining multiple workflows for 2023. I am currently working on streamlining payroll to make it a little bit easier. We are working on recruitment. We are working on updating our policy handbook for next year. Casey McCann highlighted the Revitalized Crew's ongoing projects. They keep outperforming themselves from, from week to week to month to month. Right now we have focused mostly on residential, multifamily, housing, and mixed-use, mixed income with a little bit of commercial space. Um, but, you know, we're also looking at things, looking at in the single-family home aspect as well. Um, there is a lot of growth that is on the horizon, just con continuously expanding and growing, and not only just as a team, but also geographically as well. Caleb Hanshaw, crew chief at Refresh Highwall, said his crew is currently preparing for the coming winter and an exciting collaboration with Mingo County Schools. The high wall site in Del Barton is reclaimed mine land that has since been turned into viable farmland. So there's a lot we have to do to get ready for winter um, or we lose all our progress. So we landed an account with uh, Mingo County Schools culinary program. That's been really good for us to get our name out in the community. The teacher, Dan Sizemore, he's trained in French culinary uh, arts. So for him to put his stamp of approval, it's really, really cool. Brad Stapleton, crew chief at Mountain Mindful, and Jim Caldwell, operations manager of Mountain Mindful, said production is returning to normal after months of preparing and printing Bridge Day shirts. The event, which occurs on the third Saturday of each October, attracts tourists and locals to the Steel Arch Bridge in Fayetteville, where they can spectate or participate in base jumping and rappelling. Monumental effort that everyone came together and made that very successful. The wood shop continues to do all sorts of custom client work with various local restaurants and churches and other organizations, things of that nature. And the shipping department continues to make other things get where they're supposed to go when they're supposed to go there. We've got a ton of stuff going on. We just came off bridge today. Mountain Monkle team, again, a fantastic top window. A lot of product to move out. Really proud of everybody involved in that process. After lunch, Jacob Hanna, Director of Conservation, shared a presentation about his experience attending the World Canals Conference in Leipzig, Germany. Historically, Jacob said Leipzig and Appalachia have had much in common, including a prominent coal mining industry. Jacob said there were 600 participants from 80 different countries present at the conference. I get a lot of opportunities to coordinate with sort of other regions that are facing this issue of what do we do post coal in our community. Um, not just Appalachia is facing this issue, the whole world has, has been wrestling with it at some point or other in their timeline. Um, the UK, India, China, Russia, Scotland, every region has had some sort of dependency on coal and are in some different phase of whether they're coming in or exiting out of it. And so a lot of eyes right now, believe it or not, are looking at your work right now in Appalachia, in West Virginia, and trying to figure out, okay, well, how are these guys doing it? And why are they doing it so well? Like, I'm curious what you all are doing and how can I take it home and apply it to my country as well? And so it's a really cool opportunity to share the great work that you all do in a, in a format that really generates a lot of excitement um, and, and collaboration.
Jacob said his peers were fascinated by ongoing efforts to adapt and use clean energy in West Virginia. And I, I think the reason why this is so impactful and, and motivating for areas outside of Appalachia is because we, we follow this model. If we really focus on the people building from the ground up, we, we make sure we're doing our due diligence with this patient speed and building these systems that then culminate in market shaping and culminate in this bigger transition that happens. Whereas literally er almost everywhere else in the world flips that. Everywhere else in the world, the governments own the coal mines. They own the power plants. And so therefore, that's the first thing they shut down. And then they start working their way down to the communities and the people. And after, and that's like a 10-year process to shut a coal mine down. So by 10 years, you've got a lot of people displaced. You've got a lot of people hurting. You've got a lot of people feeling the same things that we feel in our region as well. Jacob then played a clip of two former miners singing a song traditionally sung by German miners at the end of their shifts. These are two laid-off coal miners who used to work in the mine who greeted us with a song that the coal miners would sing at the end of the day. It's talking about hanging up your coal mining hat, going home and eating food and greeting your wife and resting after a long day's work. Jacob shared more photographs of the communities and footage of a musician playing traditional tunes on the streets. He said it was just one example of how the city and region has successfully preserved their culture. So it was just a lot of fun. It was a lot of um, just cool experiences to take away and just sort of see the parallels between everywhere in the region that's facing these issues and problems and that Appalachia, even though we, I think, categorically have bared the brunt of this topic the most, more than really any region in the world, uh, we are also shining the brightest example of how to, how to make beauty from ashes, make... Uh, a lot of opportunity out of no opportunity at all. Um, so how I sort of broke that out was, you know, the rest of the world is struggling with the issue in different countries in different phases. The world is looking at us to see how we're getting a just transition, right? Not just a transition of, okay, shut down the mines and bring us something new. It's got to be just and bring along the people with it. In order to be successful, Jacob said multiple things had to work in synchrony to build sustainable business. And Coalfield is doing just that by focusing on creating opportunities for people who are already rooted here. And then for a triple bottom line to exist, you need people to steward the planet. You need people to manifest profit, prosperity. So let's not forget our value and our people and our culture as well. As our next featured speaker, Kelly invited communications director Ashley Stinnett to share his story with the team. Outside of work, Ashley is a professional actor. Ashley has starred in multiple movies, television shows like Dawson's Creek, commercials, and more. He reminded the crew that they're never too old to chase their dreams. Whatever your passion is, what, whether it's here or if it's a combination of this, which I love this, I love doing this, or if it's things outside of that. But whatever it is, keep grinding it out. And, you know, the, the rewards do come. It doesn't come overnight. I started at 18. I'm now 42 years old. Hard to believe. I can't believe I'm 42 years old. I'm way better positioned now than I ever was. It's all about being good to people and just being a good person and staying super humble about it, too. One crew member asked Ashley to address West Virginia's film tax credit, which has been a hot topic in the state legislature in recent years. So one of the things that we've always lacked here, you know, we have everything but the ocean. And I've begged people to come here and make movies because it's very affordable to make movies here. And film tax credits are huge to the tune of hundreds of millions of dollars. It's oddly enough, here in little West Virginia, it's the most robust tax film credit 
in the United States. If a movie production comes here to make a movie, they get 20% tax credit. But if they hire 10 or more West Virginians on that production, they get up to 33%. That's higher than Georgia. And for those of you who don't know, Atlanta, Georgia is where it's at now. Kelly Crabtree then kicked off our final event of the day, Council Hour. She provided three topics for our groups to choose from regarding the ways we can improve Coalfield sustainability, employee wellness with more health-conscious foods, and our bonus structures. Crew members gravitated toward the topic they were most interested in to discuss solutions. Elise Hunley, crew chief of Refresh Appalachia, participated in the discussion on finding ways to encourage healthy eating among the staff and our families. Elise said her group's ideas focused primarily on accessibility and motivation. Some of our better ideas included healthy snack vending machines. I think that that's a great idea, especially if we could contract someone to come in and, you know, like when you're thinking about healthy snacks, they're also more perishable. So if we could have someone to come in and replace them on a fairly regular basis, just making that an option for getting lunch, because a lot of our folks will wind up going to uh, local eateries that might not have the most healthy options uh, because of proximity. And so I like that idea a lot. We talked about bonuses to support healthy eating because we all know that inflation is driving up the costs of not only healthy food, but all food. And so um, to incentivize healthy eating, just actually kind of making it possible for folks to afford to do that. Elise shared the group's ideas to incentivize healthy eating with vouchers or funding allocated to combat inflated prices. Great idea that came from our discussion is partnering with local supermarkets to have like a group discount, like some sort of shopper's card for our employees to incentivize healthy buying. We talked about refresh, getting a point of service and having discounts for employees that might want to buy vegetables from us. Bailey Epperly, Reuse Corridor Manager, added that the group also discussed the obstacles that can limit accessibility, particularly in FDA-designated food deserts. With all of this in mind, just thinking about food access and the prevalence of food deserts in our region. Most regions in West Virginia actually exist in a food desert, and a lot of people think of rural regions, but it's also very prevalent in urban spaces as well, when you might only have access to like a convenience store, gas station-type foods, dollar stores, right? So you may not have access to more healthy options and fresh produce at places like that. So that's definitely a problem, and we can't just assume that everyone can make these decisions if they don't first have access to it. Before the group split up for Council Day closing remarks, Bailey said some of these ideas could be helpful in broadening Refresh's reach and impact in the future. Maybe one day Refresh will have a food truck. <laughs> We're manifesting that. <laughs> Thanks for listening to CouncilCast, a monthly podcast from Coalfield Development. This series is hosted and produced by JJN Multimedia. Subscribe to CouncilCast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you like what you're hearing, be sure to leave us a review. To support or learn more about our work creating resilient Appalachian communities and helping people unlock their full potential, power, and purpose, find us on social media or visit www.coalfield-development.org. Thanks for joining us today. We'll see you next month.